We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. But for now, today's podcast is going to have a bit of a split personality of sorts. The first half of it is going to be Darius and I geeking out over Game 2 adjustments. And then part two is going to be kind of a revisit of a classic uh, LA ESPN radio show between Mike and Michael Thompson, who has just a great unique perspective on this series as Clay's dad, right? But also Lakers radio announcers. So Thompson and Trudell, great LA radio show, D, that I hope everyone enjoys Michael's perspective in the second half. But let's start, we, we, as time is of the essence, let's start on game two. I want to start with potential Golden State adjustments. Uh, I wrote out a little menu uh, and just four, four topics that I think are kind of the main things, D, is I think there's a good chance that they go small more. I don't know if they start the game with Lou on the bench, but I think that there's a decent chance of that, um, that the minutes where they have Draymond on AD and that they just have the smaller group out there, and Steph alluded to this in his post-game presser that he thought that they had an advantage there, that it was the more logical adjustment for them to go smaller, then they started making LeBron close out to the three-point line a lot. That's something that I, I very much think that they're going to continue to do. Is And so LeBron as a target on defense, right? This is something that has not really been happened much through the first 19 years of his career. I've seen it a lot more this year than ever before. So I think that that's going to be a thing. And then just Steph in on-ball pick and roll, more of that rather than uh, him running around on the perimeter. Because I think Vando, like Vando's exactly the kind of guy that can do that too, to a degree, right? Steph's going to win some possessions, D, but Vando can get some wins too. So that's where I'm starting out uh, with Golden State's adjustments is I think there's a good chance they go small more, have Draymond on AD. They really look to have LeBron close out to the three-point line and then have Steph as an on-ball pick-and-roll player. Yeah, I think the one big adjustment is something that they did in the last series. And so them going back to that in in this series makes sense. Um, in the last series case, they started with Looney instead of Draymond. And that made sense. Looney is a good matchup for Sabonis. Long was great on the offensive backboards, which was crucial to their success against the Kings. For the Lakers, I think Draymond likely is the better matchup 
In fact, I know he's the better matchup for defending Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis, and he's the better pick and roll player defensively as well, in my opinion, just in terms of the ability to switch. I think it opens more things up for Golden State defensively to to have Draymond in there. Whether they go that to start the game or just go to it earlier, I'm not exactly sure. So I'm interested in your perspective on not only how that might help the Warriors' defense, but how you think it helps them offensively, because I think it's actually a double-pronged approach for them with Draymond in the middle of it all, but also to facilitate spacing to get another potential shooter in there. And who do you think replaces Looney in the lineup? Do you think they go to pool right away, or do you think they try to split the difference with DiVincenzo? Oh, that's a great question. I think that, oh man, in terms of starting, you you watch them more than I do, but I do think that DiVincenzo is probably the guy that they'd go to to maintain, pull off the bench, but it's also the playoffs, right? Because I think if I'm in Golden State's shoes and I thought that their approach to the fourth quarter where they made the big run that they made kind of illustrates this is they're going to have a hard time scoring on things other than jump shots if Anthony Davis is in the game and the Lakers defense is set. And so when you heard the Warriors in their postgame pressers and Draymond spoke to this a little bit on his podcast as well, where it's like, we got to get out in transition. You don't want to attack the Lakers in the Lakers set half court defense any more than you have to. And so during that run, and that's how they can go on these lightning runs, right? Is that they have these uh, great, their great outlet passing. They have, they run their lanes extremely well. They push the pace and Draymond as that grab and go guy that you're talking about in either yesterday's pod or the one before helps facilitate that as well. Now they're a lot smaller, right? And, and maybe they go to pool to get that extra scoring punch, but uh, that I think is probably their likeliest route to try to open up the game. And that's how they can beat this Lakers team is don't let the Lakers defense get set. Yeah. I would actually imagine that they go to pool When they were doing it, they were going to DiVincenzo before because he was the better defensive option against the Kings guards. There's a domino effect, though, when you put Poole into the game, because I would imagine Poole is going to have to then defend Vanderbilt. Yep. If we're playing this out. And Mm -hmm. that means Vanderbilt is going to get to the offensive glass some, but that also contributes to their transition game if Vando isn't getting or making a difference on Mm -hmm. the offensive glass. So it's this great chess match again and that idea that styles make fights and like the strong lead hand puncher but against the great counter puncher and what that looks like because I think the Lakers are going to continue to try to leverage their physicality. It is their advantage in this and Golden State is going to try to be the quicker team and the team that gets out in the open court. But that back and forth nature can play into the Lakers hands as well. Like we saw when Golden State tried to get out and run and then they missed and the Lakers were able to then counterattack back. They were getting shots at the basket when they did that. Whereas Golden State was getting shots, open shots from the perimeter. And that idea of Golden State taking 50 something threes and their trio of Poole, Clay and Steph combining for 40 threes and 18 makes, that's a ton of shots that fell for them. And they can definitely repeat that, but pull out a 6 of 11 night. And that's after that long miss that he sort of came under fire for a little, like a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so is Poole going to shoot 55% from three the entire series? If he does, hat tip to him. But yeah. the Lakers, I think, are going to 
bet against that to a certain extent. And so I'm just super interested. Like we're still in adjustments mode, but I also mm-hmm. think we're in still like learning mode oh, as 100%. well because neither team adjusted too much in game one. And that's why in the learning, I, it's almost like the flop. If you ever play, uh, you know, hold, if you ever play poker, right, where yeah. it's like you got your cards to start out with and everybody kind of knows, you know, hey, this is my starting point. But it totally changes when the first three cards get laid out on the yeah. table and kind of set the the tone for the rest of how the hand is going to go. And that's what game ones are to me. And from watching the tape, I, like it was very encouraging on the rewatch in terms of the sustainability of what the Lakers can do. I was really excited about that. The main thing with AD is like when Looney is on him, AD, the best way to attack them, I think is on ball touches for AD. And when Draymond is on him, I think the best way to attack them with AD is off of the ball. And so his production went down in the second half. And there are a couple of things that I thought we could have done differently, but I also thought that the general idea was right in terms of attacking elsewhere and making Draymond be a help defender. And Draymond's a great help defender, right? But there's a certain amount of, I can only leave Anthony Davis to help so much. And he's going to have a help the helper guy who's often Andrew Wiggins, who is wonderful at this. But that to me is... uh, is the best place to attack Draymond. Uh, we were, I thought we did really good stuff in the post. Our shot making just was not very good. And that's part of the reason why I'm encouraged is it was like, we played okay on offense and we left a lot of points on the table on just op- open looks that we missed, you know? And so the shot making of Golden State was obviously a headline in game one, but the Lakers shot making was actually fairly poor in terms of jump shooting. Now we're nowhere near, near the jump shooting team that they are, that's but right. even just a, average performance by Lakers standards, right, puts a, a few more points on the board. And so I was just really encouraged by the the rewatch in terms of like, hey, we're getting good looks and like they have things they can go to. And I think that small lineup is the best thing they can go to. But there are problems, I think, with any approach that they take. So refresh me on your list again. So we talked about going small. What's sort of next up on the menu here? Because one of the things I wanted to actually get to potentially is um, – that shot making idea, but around LeBron James and, and how they defended LeBron and LeBron having a fairly inefficient night. Oh yeah. Right. But but still but still making an impact. But I want to hear more of your list. Honestly, that's that uh in terms of Golden State adjustments, those were the main ones, at least uh, on the 20 minute version <laughs> of the pod, No, right? sure. Well, the the point you did make though about giving the ball to Steph more, I think that that's going to be interesting. And the cat and mouse game between Steph and Vando on the changeover between possessions is one of the most important things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, Vanderbilt was great at finding Steph as the ball was in the air, and then being like, "Where is Steph? I have to find him in order to get into early ball denial positions." To make it harder for Steph to get the ball at all. This was he did this a ton in the first half. And in the second half, his energy probably started to wane a little bit. And he just wasn't able to track him as much to deny him touches. But how critical do you think it is for him to continue to deny him in the changeover between possessions? So within all of my optimism, there's a sliver of like this is where it could go very bad. And it's exactly what you just said right there in terms of the 
the sustainability, this whole idea of who's going to get tired first, who's going to get fatigued. If Steph can win those fourth quarters, which he does on a decently regular basis, and part of the reason why he goes in and comes out of the game when he does is so that he can have a pretty full fourth quarter, is like if we have difficulty tracking them, that's how Golden State can often win games is that like, yes. oh, in the fourth quarter, you're a little bit exhausted, you're a little bit slower. But what I saw, honestly, in terms of that, I thought Vando did a great job in the fourth quarter. Steph hit some shots, but one of the things that we did was we took Vando out, right? Like we get, yeah. he, we get yes. up an and one, right? Yeah. And, yes. and this is something that I think speaks to a proclivity that Darvin has. That's a bit of a danger in this series. Uh, but Vando went out. They had gone on a, a 5-0 run or a 6-0 run after we'd started the fourth. We pushed it up to a 14-point lead. Gets the and one that was initially called on Vando, but then AD was like, no, that was on me. And it was. And then we put Dennis in, and this is part of the luring you into playing smaller. I, and yep. I love that three-guard group, right? The Dennis, Austin, D'Lo group. I think it's our best three-guard group. I just think that against them, it's part of how they seduce you into that, right? Because totally. now you're not the same size as them, but you're not as much bigger than them as, as totally. you were before. And that was where they really went on their run, and I thought they got their cleanest looks. And so... To me, it's it's really more more about just like writing that out a little bit more. And Darvin, I used to say about Vogel that Vogel would try to solve all his problems on defense. And Darvin's the opposite of that in that there were a couple of possessions where our offense got a little bit clunky after we had gone up 14. They go on that 5-0 run. Then Vando comes out for Dennis, which is the sub that we make when we still want to guard the ball handler or the best dude on the perimeter, but we want to be better on offense. We want to have a little more shooting, a little more ball handling. But against this particular team, I think, again, that's a certain lure in, into that. And so yeah. I think that that Vando's minutes are going to be crucial, uh, crucial in that respect. Yeah, it's super interesting. So I'm not exactly sure how you hold Steph down more, right? Like he didn't have a great shooting night. It just felt like every important shot he made which is how Steph can be discouraging and dispiriting. It's just like every single time that he really needs to make a three or his yeah. team needs a three, it's just like he's nails and it's what makes him amazing. And so writing that out is going to be super important and not getting discouraged as a coach as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Darwin preaches that to, to the players, but I think that he may need to stick with Vando a little bit more, which is interesting. Like, and and we'll see if Vando can do enough offensively. He hit that big three himself, but didn't do a ton mm -hmm. else offensively to really impact the game. And so I'm interested with that. I do want to pivot to LeBron though a Please. little bit because one of the things that Golden State was doing, and Draymond mentioned this as an adjustment for them understanding that LeBron's role has changed with this specific Lakers team, that he is working way more as an off-ball player. And they are positioning LeBron, the Lakers are, as mm -hmm. the guy in the slot on the opposite side of the court. Mm -hmm. So, And what they're doing a lot is they are putting him in that position where, like, if you want an example from the last round, what Memphis was doing for Dylan Brooks, which is he is the outlet pass off of pick and roll actions and the Lakers were perfectly happy to help off of the nail or to help to the nail and make Brooks a shooter mm -hmm. and Memphis was equally happy to do that to Rui and Rui killed them in game one and slowly but surely over the rest of the series they, they stopped, stopped helping as much mm -hmm. and it opened up other things for for the Lakers so what the Lakers are doing now is they're putting LeBron in that slot and they are running pick and rolls with their guards 
And LeBron is a guy that's in the slot. And LeBron had an interesting night from there because every time he settled for the jumper, he basically missed. But every time he was able to cut and catch the ball on the move with forward momentum to the mm-hmm. basket, almost every single time something good happened. He yep. would get a layup. He would he would get draw help and yep. kick it and skip to the side. He would hand off to AD and AD would get a finish inside. He'd do a little slot pass to AD and he'd get a little runner. A lot happened with LeBron as an off-ball worker. He even caught that lob. Where it's just like, oh, like that was off of a similar action where all the action is on the other side of the court. LeBron is posted weak side. And so we all talk about LeBron's jumper. His jumper is going to have to fall at a better rate than it is. But talk to me a little bit what you expect from Golden State's defense in adjusting to LeBron as an off-ball player and how you envision LeBron then countering that in ways that you know that he has some ideas for that as well. No, I think there's a decent chance that they give him the Dylan Brooks treatment where they start. And even in the second half, there were a couple of possessions. There was one in the fourth in particular that I I still think we scored on it or at least got to the the line and hit a free throw um, where LeBron was wide open, wide open for somewhere between the slot and and a wing type of three. And he passed it up. And there's, I think there's going to be a, and that plays into a certain degree of advantage that the Lakers have elsewhere that you'd consider doing that. And I don't know how sustainable, hey, let's leave LeBron James James open for open shots is. But I think that that is one of their better answers, which plays, again, into some of my confidence. But if LeBron can't make those, I think that you're going to see the severity of those. Because that slot, that slot, the reason that he's push, positioned right there is that's where the biggest gap between defenders are naturally yes. in an offensive setup. The next closest guy is in the corner. And so he has this nice big double gap to cut through and drive through and make things happen when he recognizes those opportunities. And that's why it was funny to hear Draymond be like, man, it's so different than when we were playing him in Cleveland. He's playing a completely different way in a completely different role, which is great and speaks to a level of uh, versatility that our offense has now that it has. It's really never had before. And, and LeBron's greatness. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. And I, I can't wait to talk more about, about that as time goes on, too, because that ability to shapeshift, I think that this is one of those examples of that. And fire. Anyways. That said, though, D, he's got, got to make those jumpers. Like, it's, it's going to get to a point where it's like, hey, you're just open and you yes. have to make the shot. And that that's like there's no adjustment if you can be left wide open on the perimeter and you can't make it. We saw it with Dylan Brooks, right? Like, yes. it makes things very complicated. So here's the thing I liked about LeBron with his jump shot is he shot it with great confidence through the first like two and a half quarters. And he didn't start turning those shots down until it was really, really like, okay, all of these possessions matter. And I want to hunt something a little bit better potentially. And honestly, man, I watched, I watched clips of him warming up before the game and he was locked in with his jumper and it's just not translating right now. To game action. I've been watching his warmups before mm-hmm. every single game, and I'm just like, man, he is it's almost all he's working on with Phil Handy before the game. He is working on lift three-pointers coming up from the coming up from the corner to the shoulder. He is working on off the dribble threes. He is just he is just pounding that. And it's what makes him special as a worker. It's just like it's why after games he will talk about like. I'm confident in my shot because I know I put the work in and it's Mm going to start to fall. 
his shots were literally missing by like an inch, an inch and a half. They were close. on yep. line yep. and they were just, and they were hitting the rim clean and just like ricocheting off. And I was just like, man, he feels good about the range on, on his jumper right now. It's, it's literally a game of inches and he's just, he's just long on several of these. He's not missing wide. It's just like, oh, it's not like like that air ball that D'Lo had where it's just like, oh, damn, like that mm-hmm. wasn't even close. He didn't have a lot of misses like that. And so am I encouraged? I'm not exactly sure, Like, but I hope he just continues to shoot it with confidence because mm-hmm. that's the shot that's going to be there for him. Absolutely. And and so going into this game, D, I'm, I'm more confident about this game than I was going into game two or game five versus Memphis. Now, I think the Warriors, if I had to pick one team, I think the Warriors win tonight. But I think we got a good enough chance to grab this one. Just super excited about tonight, D. Yeah, for me, the last point that I would make is this is going to be an early punch you in the mouth game. Golden State is going to come out with a ton of energy. They are going to be like, this is a must win for them. They cannot go down 0-2. There was a crazy stat that someone said um, on Twitter the other day where after after the home team loses game one, they are like 14-0 so far. Right. And I think that that might have gotten to 15-0 after with the Celtics, yeah. Boston won. Right. And so the Warriors are certainly going to try to keep that streak alive. They are the they're the team with home court for a reason. And they've typically got a great home crowd, although I heard some things about the crowd not necessarily being as great in game one. That was super interesting to me. But (laughs) the Lakers are going to have to weather the storm this game. And they've been a fairly resilient team all year. And I thought they actually recovered really well in game one after falling down eight to two and then having it be in that eight point buffer range for a while before they were just like, okay, we are closing the gap. So that's just something to look out for in this game as well. Very much so. And I, I just one last point from me. I, I think that the game plans, especially from rewatching, like I, I thought our game plans were fantastic on both ends of the floor and that we're, that the starting point for the team is in a really strong place, but there will be adjustments from the Lakers end as well. All right. That'll do it for Darius and I. Please stick around for Thompson and Trudell, a great old LA radio show and some very unique perspective from Clay's dad and a great Laker through and through Michael. On the other side of the break, you'll be listening to them. Go Lakers tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, but stick around for the second half of the pod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. 
Welcome back to the Laker Film Group Podcast, presented by Blue Wire. We have a special guest, and he is in my hotel room. And thankfully, he has put down one of the bathrobes that I did not use so that he does not get germs from the chair. So you know who that is, folks. That's Michael Thompson. Yeah, these hotel rooms, while they're beautiful hotel rooms, you got to imagine how many people stay in these rooms and they're never fumigated, the carpets are never shampooed, the furniture's never cleaned. So imagine how uh, dirty these uh, places really are if you don't put down like sheets and bathrobes that are laundered every yeah, day. Yeah, now we got that out of the way. Yeah, Michael, I've been concerned about you. Okay, I my kids are much younger than yours, but... There are a few things more stressful, even if it's a little bit fun, than than watching your kids have to perform, even at the little league level. I sit there and watch my boys play, uh, whether it's baseball or soccer or basketball, whatever it is, and you just want them to do so well, not because you care necessarily that they win that specific game, although you do, but because you just want them to have this this good feeling as they go through their life. And I imagine that as your kids get to the professional level, as yours have, um, it's a whole different matter. On top of that, to have your son be going against your team, the team that you love, the team that you won rings for, the team that you've been a part of for so long, uh, Michael, as, as I as I talk too much here, I'm setting you up for it, but I, I know that you're good at separating your job and, and your you know your the way that you feel about your son, but it's still, it has to be a lot. So how are you doing today? Well, you know, like any parent listening to us right now, if your child's involved in a business, you want them to be successful, you want them to have fun yep. and enjoy their careers, but you want them to have success in their careers, whether they're a salesperson or whatever, closing a deal or they're working in IT, whatever their profession happens to be in medical field, you want them to be successful at what they do. And sports is no different. So when I watch Clay or Trace play, uh, I want them to have a good game, have a great season. I want them to be successful. And if it has to come at uh, my expense uh, and cost me a little bit of sadness, then I can live with that because uh, at least my child is happy. Yep. Uh, so that's so I don't mind losing uh, if as uh, long as Clay wins. So I know that's not acceptable for Laker fans, and I don't expect it to be. Yep. But uh, for myself, I feel like when Clay wins, I win. 100%. No, there's there's no doubt about that. If you don't understand that, then you either I, I don't, I don't want to say you don't have kids. So a lot of people don't have kids, but I think they can understand the relationship with whether it's their parent or just anybody that they care a ton right. about, right? Yeah. You're you're always and I just think that the childhood dynamic is, is separate from that, um, or at least paramount from that. So with that said, the Lakers win game one, uh, Michael, and, you know, Clay has a really good first half cools off some in the second half. When you're analyzing the game, from your perch up there uh, in the radio booth, how are you doing it like in this playoff setting? Because of course, you know, the Warriors have played the Lakers a million times, four times a year uh, since Clay entered the league, but it's just different in the playoff setting, which of course they've never had before uh, with Clay. Uh, the last time the Lakers and the Warriors played was 91. Of course, this setting is so much different, so much more at stake. It's not a regular season game, although you want to win those two, but this is the playoffs and you can't afford to have a loss, especially at home, which uh, occurred for the Warriors. So when Clay's out there playing, I always feel as if he shoots the ball well, the Warriors have a better chance to win. He shot the ball well in the first half. Second half, he did not. He had some open shots available for him that could have uh, turned the momentum of Golden State's way, and he missed those threes. But I always, from history of watching him play in his career, when he is hot, the Warriors don't lose. So I know Eric Steph gets all the attention, but for me, Clay has always been the key because if Steph's doing his thing and then Clay compliments him mm. with high efficiency rate, like he shot 25 times. If he would have shot 14 for 25, 15 for 25, the Warriors would have won the game. 
So Clay's certainly a key, Michael, and I don't know that the Lakers have adjustments to make with him. Like there's the thing that makes him Clay. What six seven? Six seven. And he's gonna. You can do whatever you want. He's gonna get shots off. Right. They're setting screens for him. He's getting them up quickly. He's got the quick release. Um, he he's got this thing now that I've noticed this season where he will keep the ball high and he'll bring it down just an inch or two when it looks like he might be reloading and then he'll just shoot it from there. Yeah. Is that something that you've discussed with him or that how has that evolved to be that that type of release? Because it seems pretty. Yeah, I think uh, another guy who does that in the league is uh, Nick, Nicholas Batum. He kind of does that, too, from the corner. He doesn't really bring the ball down. He just yep. shoots it right the ball above his head. So, yeah, that's uh, something Clay's been working on. He's gotten stronger. You got you to have some good strength in your legs and wrists to be able to do that from that distance to bring it down and shoot it comfortably. But, yeah, that's something he does. He, he feels like he's right in rhythm. A couple of times he, he knocked those shots down, and it sort of freezes the defender because the defender thinks you're going to bring the ball down to your waist before you bring it back up. So if you are used to shooting in rhythm like that, that's an easy shot to make because you shoot it before the defender thinks you're ready to shoot. How do you see things defensively? And, and we'll get to the whole rest of the series in terms of other players. I'm just I'm curious, as you've been locking in on Clay, where do you see him defensively? What is most important for a player like him when the Lakers are running things so much through Anthony Davis? And yet, I would expect, Michael, that the Warriors will give some different looks to AD. Maybe Draymond takes him earlier. Maybe they go small earlier. How do you see the Warriors responding after AD dominated the paint inside? They're not gonna, they can try all the different looks they want to. There's nothing they can do with Anthony Davis. He's too tall for Draymond Green, too tall, too strong for Kevon Looney. So AD's going to average 30 points a game in this series as long as it lasts, as long as he wants to score at that rate. There's nobody going to stop him on his team. So AD is not the problem. It's AD on defense that's giving the Warriors problems. They can't get to the basket because he's protecting the, the basket so well. So yeah. they can make all the changes they want to. As for Clay. Clay's uh, going to be out there with Austin Reeves, who's very good at drawing fouls on defenders. So for Clay, he has to concentrate on not picking up silly fouls, especially a quick foul in the first quarter, and compromising your minutes the rest of the way. So for him and Steph, for the Warriors to have a chance to win this series, they have to stay out of foul trouble. You know, it's funny. I, we've talked about on the podcast uh, with my partners, Darius and Pete. Uh, Darius lives up in this area, and so his wife is a Warriors fan. He's watched a ton of them. I, of course, have watched a ton of Warriors, but I don't know if anybody in the world has watched every single Laker and Warrior games like you have. Um, again, I think I might be close, but you literally do not miss a game uh, when Clay plays. You might have your other son, Trace, on your iPad during it because he's playing for the Dodgers, of course. Uh, but what is like? what have you learned throughout all of these years of watching these two teams and kind of how the Lakers have evolved since the trade deadline, how the Warriors are basically the same team as last year, right? They didn't add a key piece. They're not necessarily running new stuff. Uh, they're not necessarily playing different players that they didn't play in their run last year other than DiVincenzo. So what like, what have you noticed, uh, if anything, about this matchup and the way that these two teams look right now? Well, that the old stool basketball still works. Size still matters. I know the league is three-point uh, crazy right now. Everybody wants to shoot threes. But when you have guys on the inside, like Anthony Davis or even Jokic and Embiid, that you could punish people in the paint, that still works in this era of uh, outside shooting and perimeter basketball. Because when your threes aren't falling, um, you can you can still get to the line because you're drawing fouls in the paint and still scoring in the paint with a high percentage two-point shot. So, yeah, everybody's so enamored now with three-point shooting. But if you still have a force on the inside, like in a team Olajuwon or an Anthony Davis, that's still – when the game slows down, that is important to have. And the Lakers have that weapon, the best weapon in the Western Conference as far as Anthony Davis is concerned. The, the uh, Sixers have it in Joel Embiid in the East – 
And that's why they're in control of their series right now because they can go to that big weapon in the middle. So, yes, uh, three-point shooting is all a rage in the NBA now, but, uh, but the Lakers have proven that if you have size and strength on the inside, that can overwhelm a perimeter finesse team like the Warriors. Yeah, it's funny because you like to put me, just because I'm a little bit younger than you, you like to put me in the box of somebody that is all about the new age of basketball. Yeah. And all. But really, I kind of agree with you. I love, I, I think the rim is 10 feet high. And it's the one sport where the height really, really does matter. You have to protect the rim. You have to score at the rim. And the Warriors have been, I don't, I don't even want to say that they've been an exception to this rule. Because, yes, they have the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. But they've always scored at the rim. This year, a little bit less so, Michael, than some of those key warrior runs because teams have had to overplay and kind of panic to get out to the threes that Steph and, you know, and Clay and other players that they've had have been able to get to the basket against a lessened, smaller defense. But this is where Anthony Davis, to me, comes in. And it's not just because of his rim protection. It's because you can go, quote unquote, small with Anthony Davis and still be huge at the rim because he can he can move out to the perimeter, too. And then he's still going to be able to get back and he can bring the ball to the perimeter and dribble on the offensive end and he can still get to the rim there. So LeBron, honestly, LeBron is a little bit of an antidote as well because LeBron can do both those things. So that's to me why the Lakers with LeBron and AD are uniquely qualified to match up if they have somewhat similar requisite talent, which, you know, in LeBron's Cleveland teams, they weren't, especially once KD got there. So that's it's like, yes, threes are great, but. You have to do everything else that has always made the sport that you grew up playing uh, in the Bahamas before you went to Miami uh, and started there, Michael, as a high school player. Those things about the game, I don't think will ever change. The like the rim's always going to be ten feet high, right? That's right. And uh, game one, the game really slowed down. The Warriors were walking the ball on the floor, playing right into the Lakers' uh, size advantage hands. For the Warriors to have a chance to win game two, they have to speed it up and get the Lakers in a more open court transition game and. Just come down and even after made baskets, race the ball down the floor after a made basket and try to get the Lakers playing defense at a higher a higher rate because they just allow Anthony Davis to sit there like a free safety and, and read the defense. Yeah. That keeps the Warriors on the perimeter and uh, really stifles them when they try to get in the paint. Even a guy like Steph Curry, who's a good finisher, old guys, but... Uh, Anthony Davis makes you change a lot of shots inside if he gives him time to set up on defense. You know, that was one reason I liked the Lakers in game one. I just think it's so different having going from a series where DeMontis Sabonis is right. the center. And if they're not even really playing their backup center, Alex Len, they're playing smaller. Well, all of those areas that Steph was scoring in in game seven, they're not available to you when Anthony That's Davis right. is in exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Steph was 10 of 24. and. I think uh, he he didn't shoot a great percentage from three, but every time he, he well six for thirteen from three, but yeah from two yeah, from two, from not two, not yeah. great. Yeah, every time he tried to get into the paint, Anthony Davis was there to discourage him from throwing his little floaters up. So that's a big difference from Davis in the paint protoning it versus Sabonis. You know, but I do. This is where it's funny because you mentioned what Golden State can do, and one thing we expect that they will do, and I think LeBron and AD are expecting, is that they'll play Draymond at the five more, try to just hang, and he does. As much as he can't necessarily guard Anthony Davis, I think he can do it better than almost anybody else in the league. Like Draymond is still a fantastic defender. He'll do that thing, Michael, where, and you know this, all the all the greats that you had to go against, he'll have his one hand high and the other one will be like pushing AD's hip, right, to get him out to the perimeter. The ref might not call it. He'll be physical with him. So they'll go smaller. Maybe they'll play pool more. And yet, I don't know that it's just more threes that they need to take. Like they took 53 threes. Yeah. I don't know if that they will make 21 again. But I also don't think the Lakers are going to go six for 25 from three. I think the Lakers are going to make more threes in the game. The free throw disparity 
will probably shift some. Like the Lakers are the Lakers are the best free throw shooting team in terms of getting there. The Warriors are the worst. Right. So there's going to be a gap, but it's not not going to be 29 to 6. So I see some of those things evening out, even as the Warriors play smaller. And basically, they just run a track meet and try to wear the Lakers down um, with this one day off in between and the desperation of knowing that they can't go down 0-2 at home. It's going to come down to the free throws. As simple and as boring as that sounds, the so? Warriors have to shoot more than six. Yeah. That six is ridiculous. She should be shooting six a quarter. And they have to stop fouling and putting the Lakers on the line so much. And Lakers are going to get to the line, but you can't give them 29 well, free throws. Like Schroeder, for example. They, that's, they can't, Schroeder took 10 free throws. That's an absolute killer. It's one thing, Anthony Davis, you're going to have to follow him some. Right. Yeah. You know, if LeBron drives more than he did in the first game, you're going to. But, yeah, I think they even mentioned that after the game. I don't know if it was Steph or, um, or Clay. Somebody said it, but they said, hey, Dennis Schroeder, we cannot put him to the free throw line 10 times. Yeah, Schroeder's good. He's, he's a crafty player. He knows how to get you on his hip and then create that contact. So does D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves, three guys who know how to draw fouls on yeah, you. So right. we'll see if the uh, – or we'll hear – if the uh, Lake or the Warriors can defend without fouling tonight, because if they keep putting them on the line, all those threes won't matter. How is the rest of the Thompson family doing with all this? How, how's Jules, your wife, and and uh, how's Rocco, Clay's dog, Mikey? Of course, works for the Warriors, so I know how he's feeling probably with this. How is everybody? With Trace is like, is he kind of checking in while he's playing on uh, bef- uh, after the Dodger game? Well, all the Thompson families in the states, stateside and over in the Bahamas, they all love the Lakers. We all love the Lakers growing up. But uh, ever since Clay's been with the Warriors, whenever the Warriors play, that's where their their allegiance lies. It has to be. Have that's to be. where they Even though I work for the Lakers and I've been a Laker uh, um, in my past, they are the whole Thompson clan back in the islands and over here are pulling for Clay. All right, last one for you, Michael. Are you a little bit ashamed that you've not worn a single article of all the new Laker gear that I got you, and here you are just in a plain black shirt with I don't know are these Zubas that you have on? No, just the uh, what are these? These are just uh, some nice uh, cool pants. I forget what brand, but they're very comfortable. <laughs> okay, well, it's not the stuff that I got you. And as much as you love the Lakers, you're not rocking the new Laker gear. You only wear this old Adidas. Lakers sweatshirt, and I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that you're not out Well, there. the problem is the stuff, the Laker gear you got me, you got me could fit Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> and I am not 6'1", 160 pounds it's, like Dennis Schroeder. You're, it's double XLT, which accounts for your 6'9 height. Mm-hmm. That's what the T is for. It's got the extra link well, on top of the double T X. T is tall uh, as tall as 6'1", because the average man is 5'8", five 5'9". Foot five foot so That's me. I am the average man, 5'9". Right. So anytime a guy is 6'1", or 6'2", the average American thinks he's tall. You need to get triple, like 3XL or 4XL. I need Anthony Davis-sized uh, uh, sweatsuits, not Dennis Schroeder-sized sweatsuits. I thought he, d- I thought AD did wear the double no, XLT. No way. You're saying it's triple XLT? It's got to be for AD because he's a lot bigger than me. He's taller than me. He's thicker than me. So Or LeBron. So forever they wear, that's what I have to wear because not Dennis Schroeder's size, but uh, Anthony Davis-sized. Right, you looks, got me Dennis schroeder size. Looks like I'm going to have to go back to the equipment that's room right. and try to get you some tell, additional get, gear. Tell me I need Anthony. Whatever they have there for Anthony Davis, <laughs> guess that's that's what I need. And Mo Bamba. And Mo Bamba. Yeah, whatever fits them, that's what you got to get me. All right. Well, that's what I thought I had. All right. Any parting thoughts for SMT heading into game two? Well, no. The, the Lakers will, uh, whoever wins tonight, I mean, obviously the Warriors have to win tonight or else their season's over. The series is over if the Warriors lose tonight because there's no way they're going to beat LeBron in four four out of the next, uh, what, five games? No, how much would that be? Uh, six left. Six left? Yeah. Well, after this one, it would be five, yeah. Five left. Yeah. So there's no way they, they're going to beat LeBron four out of five times. So they, the Warriors are desperate for a win tonight to try to extend this series out. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, Michael. It is, it is always a pleasure and hope that you can control your heart rate 
and all the things that have to be going through your mind when you see your son out there going against the purple and gold. Yes, and now it's time for me to get back to my sanitized room and get out of this germ-filled room. <laughs> I, did, hold on, I did increase the temperature to you from 66, where I had it overnight, to 69. 69. I, can't go, I can't go higher than 69. Yours is what, 78? 76. 76. All right, go enjoy the warm climate of your room two all feet right. away. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shaq with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.